Boston Sports Syndicate. Welcome to the latest episode of Above the Parquet. We are presented by the Boston Sports Syndicate and Above the Parquet, if you're listening for the very first time, is the Boston Sports Syndicate's podcast for Celtics and everything hoops. I am your host, the Kike Hernandez of the Boston Sports Syndicate. So essentially, that makes me the Marcus Smart of this podcast. Uh, my name is Matty Kiwu. I am joined by my boys once again. First, let me introduce the hardest working sports blogger in all the land, graduate of the Chris Cotillo Zoom Workshop for Sports Journalism, my colleague from the Red Sox podcast to be named later, the great blogino Chris Henrique. What is going on, Chris? I got to tell you what, I was not expecting that introduction. I'm trying to kick up my intros for the show. That is some good stuff right there. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Okay, so that's just... just that's me, and that's Ke- and that's Chris, but we got one more. The other voice you're used to hearing on the Above the Parquet podcast. I'm also joined by one of the members. He actually does some work for the Fire the Muskets podcast. He is the senior Celtics and Patriots writer for the Boston Sports Syndicate. The man who keeps racking up dubs, including the Fantasy Football Championship, Derek McVeigh. What's going on, Derek? How's it going, Matty? Happy All-Star break. Happy All-Star break to you, too. Now, Derek, you are the president of the Tom Brady and Marcus Smart fan club. Do you want to take a quick victory lap before we get started? I mean, those are some, <laughs> those are some <laughs> dubs for you right now, bud. No, no. You know what? I'll just I'll just sit back and let everyone uh, just kind of bask in the, the absence of Marcus Smart and just start to, to truly appreciate the kind of guy that he is. Oh, we got plenty of Marcus Smart talk on the docket tonight. We're going to talk first half wrap up. We're going to talk second half preview. But before we jump into Celtics talk, let's talk about what happened last night. We are recording Monday night. So the All-Star game and the festivities took place last night. So it's fresh in our minds. And I just want to talk about it. Uh, got a question more specifically that I want to present first before we dive into our overall thoughts and whatnot. And this question was presented to us by our editor-in-chief, Bill Travers, who actually just put an article out on the bostonsportssyndicate.com. So you want to go check that out after this podcast and, and get his take on the dunk contest. But the question he wanted us to answer, is it time to retire the dunk contest? So I'm just going to let you boys take it, take it away. You know, I was uh, first a little taken back because Bill never dabbles in basketball, but um, he made a really good point because if you think about it, I have to kind of agree. I kind of think that the slam dunk competition has kind of lost its like razzle dazzle, so to speak. You know, if uh, not, not that I want to give away the article, but if you think about there is only so many ways to dunk a basketball. And you're not getting the superstars. We're not getting like the likes of, you know, years ago, you know, Jordan and Vince Carter. You know, we're getting, like he said, rookies, second tier players, guys who the casual fan who's going to tune in and watch that have no idea who they are. I, you know, to me, I'm I'm more into the three point competition like that for me holds a little more than the dunk contest. It just there's no. There's no like hype 
at least this year. Then again, it was like the watered down version too, because of COVID and everything else. But I don't know. I think I think he's on to something here. Derek, what are your thoughts on the dunk contest? And for that, let's open it up to the three point contest as well. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with with Chris and Bill. I think the three point contest is honestly the only thing about All Star Weekend that's appealing to me at this point. Like the skills competition, it they either got that's got to go or they got to change that somehow. I mean, just having guys run up and down the floor, hit, with, hit a layup, do a chest pass, like that's so boring to watch. Luka Doncic didn't even like try in his his run last night. Um, the dunk contest, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's they either have to just scrap it all together or figure out a way to to change it somehow where it's you know new and. Uh, like exciting but I just don't know how how you do that when there's guys are just kind of redoing dunks putting their own little you know twist and and spin on it but it's it's essentially the same dunks over and over and again it's you know LeBron's not in it Giannis isn't in it none of these marquee names so there's no incentive for the casual fan to, to tune in as Chris was saying yeah and, and and I don't really have much to add there you guys kind of covered it you know, the the art of the dunk, it's really mastered now by the, the, the street hoops guys. You can find dunkers on YouTube that are way better than the guys they put in the dunk contest for the NBA. Then go um, get them. You know, why not? I, I agree with that. You know, I, what I was – what I wanted to add, I, I just – it popped back in my head. Not that I want to steal your thought really quick, but, like, remember what the days like? If you were to break down the four professional sports, I feel like the NBA – out of the four, their all-star game and festivities was always a must-watch. I think that if you honestly broke it down right now, it would go the NBA. I'd probably say MLB and NHL. That's like a coin toss for two and three. And then the NFL. Like Nobody watches the Pro Bowl. Nobody cares about that. You know, Maybe the conversation is like, is it time to scrap all-star games altogether? You know, what, what can they do to make it exciting? You know, for me, you think about when it comes to, like, again, baseball, when's the last time that there was an exciting Major League Baseball All-Star game that we remember? I would say, for me, 99 Fenway Park or the game where they tied. You know, I'm remembering a tie that was, like, a big to-do or when Sandy Alomar hit the home run when they played in Cleveland. Like, those are All-Star games that I remember. You know, at the NBA – like, do you like recently have there been games that you remember and you're like, oh, no, that was a great game. They're scoring 300 and what, 50 points between the two teams. It's just I feel like it's kind of like lost its it's kind of like it's it's way. But I don't think that they're aiming for the casual fan either. I think there's a specific niche of people who watch that, that they're catering to. And that's that's the sneakerheads. That's the hardcore hoop heads and that and the guys that are into NBA 2K. Those are the three, I think, groups of people that they're aiming this game for because they don't really need to grow, quote, the game like MLB would or even the NHL. That's a good point that you bring up that they they, they, they have their market. You know, they have the group of fans that they're catering to. Um, and I, I was thinking to myself, what uh, what is something that maybe they could do to 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 boost kind of the fanfare for you know, more casual basketball fans. Because, uh, you know, personally, you know, obviously it's not going to come to a shock to anybody that my favorite all-star game is baseball. But I think I have some sound reasoning for that because 
baseball, even when guys, you know, take their foot off the, the gas a little bit, the product is virtually the same. Uh, whereas basketball, it's just last night, it just became a, it be last night's game became, uh, what you and your buddies do when you're tired after running threes and you just start hucking up half court shots. And when one goes in, everyone's like, Whoa! that's kind of what last night's game felt like to me. Um, and, the, and as far as the festivities, they're completely stale. I honestly can't name who won last night. I saw a picture of them. And I couldn't name them. I play fantasy basketball. I'm pretty much into the game of, you know, the NBA game in general. I don't know who that won last year. I already forgot who won last year. I can't remember, you know, the last memorable dunk contest, I think it was Aaron Gordon. That might be five years ago. So I don't know what they can necessarily do. Like we kind of brushed on earlier, maybe have like a pros versus Joes thing where, you know, it may be just getting shown up by a guy who's not in the league motivates some NBA players to to get innovative with their dunks and try new things. Here's but here this I want to I want to present this to you guys and then you guys can let me know if I'm crazy, if it's a smart idea, if we should run it to the NBA offices tomorrow. This is what I think. They should keep the game. They should definitely keep the game, and I think they should keep the weekend in general because the reports that come out are that the players really like the the festivities and they like to mingle with one another and we've seen it time and time again that's kind of where they lay the groundwork for the recruiting and whatnot so i don't think they should take it away from the players altogether but i think what they should do is i think they should keep the friday night game the the you know it used to be the freshman versus sophomore sophomores but now it's kind of like a usa versus the world freshman versus sophomore mishmash keep that game because that game is always fun the rising stars game is always fun to watch in my opinion on Saturday, I think they should just let the players open up for content, have them interview one another, have them do stuff with rappers and, and, and entertainers and comedians and kind of get their name out there other than hoops because that's what all these players want to do anyway. So let them have that. People would love to watch on YouTube and on different networks, you know, have a nice little sit down with Chuck and some of the players. That'll be fun, a little go back and forth because, you know, that, that cast on TNT's pretty hilarious honestly and then saturday on sunday for the game this is what i think they should do to mash all three of the events into one thing have the three-point contest winner go to the guy who sunk the most threes in the game uh that might create a little bit of back and forth you know steph curry has six dame lillard has seven dame lillard's about to take a three maybe steph curry is a little bit more incentivized to block that shot or get in the way because he wants that title and then have some judges on the side you know Mix it up with comedians, entertainers, former players, stuff like that, and then have them grade the best dunk, and then the best dunk of the game wins the dunk contest. So maybe some players want to dunk over each other to to get to win that award, or if they get a fast break, they try to do something crazy. Uh, I just think the the events itself on Saturday are so boring, and nobody tunes in. And you guys are right. When I was a kid, I on All Star Saturday night, I did not miss it. I loved it. I stayed up all night watching every event. Now I don't even know who's in it, and I don't even care. So that's my idea to, to to fix those festivities. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I be honestly open to anything at this point. Like, I don't see, I just can't see them continuing to do the same thing over and over. Like, it's the it, it's gone completely stale. Um, I do, I did see someone on, I think it was on Twitter maybe, and Matt kind of goes to your point. We were talking about you know having like the best in-game dunk. Uh, maybe people would try to defend or they try to dunk on each other. Like someone had mentioned doing a gun, a dunk contest where there are defenders. And now it's all about like the best, you know, poster dunk, so to speak. Um, so honestly, I'd be open to, to anything to, that they have any type of idea they have to change it up, but they, they have to change it somehow. 
Chris, do you have any more thoughts on the All-Star Game weekend in general? Anything on that topic before we move on? No, I, I would. I just I agree, you know, and I I think that, you know, Matt, you I think you've you provided a bunch of bullet points that at least it's conversation. It's something that it's an idea of things to do to potentially change it up. I mean, it's not like all it's not that it's it's a stale, cruddy weekend. I just I just think all star games in general, they're just boring. There's no there's no appeal to them. You know what I mean? Like it's not what. I think it used to be, you know, and it's, there are so many different tools that are, that's at the disposal now from, from social media to YouTube, just the ways, ways to get the game and these events into the, the hands and the eyes of people who are, who can consume it. You know, I think that it might be time to start looking at some other alternate ways to do so. If in order for the slam dunk competition to be something, it, you need some, you need some name, recognition to it i mean but then again i say that but you know zach levine he made his name off that so you know it's um it's that's also it's a platform to see what you can do with it too but maybe it's just we're getting older and and you know it's that's just not appealing to us anymore in that they're really looking at the 18 to 30 year old male and it's the people that we mentioned who knows but you know uh, to me in general all-star games like it's all right great you know Tatum and, and, and Jalen Brown, you made the all-star game great, but how about you win a championship? You know, awesome. You, you're the two-time all-star, but you have no rings. Okay, great. Well, that is a separate, that is a separate uh, talker, talking point there because obviously not everyone that plays in the all-star game that we care about are going to have championship rings. But we definitely want to see Tatum and Brown win a ring because we are well, I mean, Celtics now, guys here. I mean, by now, wasn't Brown supposed to have like four rings on his fingers? Talking to... You know, that that reporter from a few years back, they've had how many? I think they would have had, what, four championships already by now based off that interview. Maybe, yeah, I'm, just turning my, maybe I'm just turning my Marcus Smart hate now over to, to Jalen Brown because it's I, I can't go in and hate on Marcus oh, how dare Smart you? he's been hurt. <laughs> I think this is actually a good launching point to jump into, uh, you know, the more – I think the, the 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 topics that people listening want us to talk about, and that's Boston Celtics in their season. So we're halfway in. Like Derek said, we are halfway. We are at the All Star break, so we are halfway through the regular season. Um, and it's been a roller coaster, right? I mean, we've had a few episodes now uh, before the season started, while the season was underway, and you know we were pretty positive, and we were talking pretty positive, and we were pretty optimistic about how this team would play and respond to some of the adversity that they were facing in the first half. Uh, I do have one quick question that I want to post in terms of the first half, and then we'll dive into all things uh, team, players, everything, feelings, all that stuff. We'll dive right in. But I want to ask you guys this question because everyone has this name on the fresh on the mind when it comes to Celtics. What did the first half tell us about Marcus Smart's role on the team both on and off the court? Happy to jump in and answer that. <laughs> I, I figured you would, Derek. I figured you know what you would come in and you would get get us going on a quick, probably more positive note. So I think I think uh, this maybe this is where your uh, victory lap starts right here. <laughs> I think it just um, I don't know if it like speaks to his role or just more his his value and importance to the team. And just I mean we've saw we've seen look and I'm not obviously a I'm biased. I, we, everyone knows I have an affinity for, for Marcus Smart and I'll defend the man until the, the day I die. But I'm not, I'm also, 
you know, a realist, and I'm not saying that when Smart returns, this team's all of a sudden the championship caliber team. No, that that's not the case. I mean, he'll obviously he obviously makes them better and is is key to their success. But even when he returns, they still need to, uh, you know, address some other issues. He's not going to solve all their problems, but some of the things that he will solve, I think, are a couple of big things are energy and effort. I mean, they've had, you know, when they were were struggling recently and going through the that kind of losing streak. It was a ton of games where they were just kind of lethargic, getting outworked, out hustled, no energy, no effort on the defensive end. And those are just the things that things that wouldn't happen if Smart was on the floor because he's always he's always given 100 percent effort. He's their best individual defender. And guys have talked about how his his defense uh, of intensity is contagious and his energy is contagious and they kind of feed off of him. So you can definitely see even like not even looking at like statistics, just his, his presence on the floor makes a huge difference. And then offensively, his ability to, to run the offense and facilitate. Uh, there's a reason, you know, he's their leading, uh, you know, assist guy because he's the one that even though he does take some, some shots, some bad shots, um, you know, shots that make you want to rip your TV out of the Stump. wall, he still makes bad decisions. Stump. <laughs> He's getting better, right? You can't, you can't say he hasn't gotten better over the years. But, yeah, I'll, I'll fully admit he still takes a lot of bad shots. But he also is the one who will get into the get into the paint and make a play and look to get other guys involved and try and run the offense and, and slow things down and call a play for someone. Whereas when he's not out there, guys like Kemba and Tatum and Brown are all thinking about themselves and they're kind of score first, pass second. They're not – um, you know, looking to to make plays for others, and that's where things get things go you know poorly for this team when they're struggling. Tatum tries to do it all himself, or Walker will try and do it himself, or Brown will try and do it himself, and they'll stop you know moving the ball, and they just get become so much easier to defend. So I think just smart just brings that that playmaking side really on both sides of the ball. Well, so. I would have to unfortunately agree with you on that um, because here's the thing, right? So I am the opposite of Derek. I am not a Marcus Smart fan. But with that being said, the Celtics team, they're missing two things. They're missing the fire and intensity that he plays with. And he just brings, you know, he adds a different dynamic coming off the bench and their bench has been thin. So if they can get a healthy Marcus Smart back, you know, that to me is like making a trade. You haven't had him for a handful of weeks. You haven't had your your the Celtics team fully intact all season yet, where everybody is healthy. So yeah, once Smart comes back and he plays the role that he should play, and he's not taking stupid shots, I think you're going to see a change with this team. I think just attitude and effort. You know, you can see it on the court. You know, some of those games before they turned around, before the All-Star break, there was just no energy. There was – it just seems like they quit, and Marcus Smart is not that type of player. As much as I just – I'm not a fan, the one thing you can say, you know, objectively is that that dude plays with a fire and a passion, and he's not going to quit on you. So the Celtics would benefit from that, and is he the whole reason why that they went on that terrible run? No, it didn't help that he was out. But getting him back will certainly help them if he's healthy and, and he's taking the right shots and he knows his role. Yeah, you guys, I think you guys pretty much touched all the Marcus Smart points. I can't really add much to it. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say is I think he's the longest tenured 
Celtic on the roster. So I think that just speaks to, you know, how the team feeds off his energy. And, you know, when they play defense as a whole, he really just agitates the opposing team's best player. And even if he can't necessarily stop them, when the when someone like LeBron, Giannis, you know, come get, take the ball to, in the offensive side of the, of the court and they see Marcus Mark, you know, right there ready to at least – put his hands on him, at least make it a little more difficult. That is a, you know, it's something that it's, it's been sorely missed while he's been gone. He's the longest tenured Celtic because Danny Ainge refuses to make trades to improve his roster. Let's be fair. Whoa. So again, you are king of the segues. Cause I want to, I actually want to talk about Danny Ainge and uh, you know, not only am I a utility guy for the Boston Sports Center, I'm usually the resident positive guy. Uh, but I have to admit, after this first half and after kind of thinking about this franchise over the past, you know, 15 years almost, I'm no longer going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm no longer going to look at their situation as a glass half full. I am no longer going to expect them to do anything uh in the win in in terms of winning, no longer because uh, I'm sick of Danny Ainge just trying to force feed the fans that he's making fireworks and he's doing all these things. But fact of the matter is he's brought in three superstars and he's lost all three and all three of them have left pissed off or angry at the organization. It seems like Brad Stevens, the you know the wonder kid, is losing control of the locker room. You know that's just someone from the outside looking in. I might be dead ass wrong, um, but. It just seems like guys like Tatum and Brown are, are caring more about themselves and their individual accolades, and they're becoming more and more like the rest of the superstars in the league as opposed to what I thought they'd be, which is you know, superstars within the cog of the Brad Stevens machine. Um, he That seems like is no longer the case. Um, again, I, I, I look at this roster over and over and over again, and you know, the fact that Danny Ainge once again priced himself out of a trade in the offseason really just ticks me off. Miles Turner and, and Jeremy Lamb or Doug McDermott, a combination of those three players would have been tremendous on this team. And he had to just pry and pry and pry and wanted Oladipo and wanted all of those players. And he overpriced his trade and he lost it again. And it just seems like this guy is, you know, X amount of years into his tenure as the team builder for the Celtics, he has one ring and it seems like what he'll go down in history as, as the guy who kind of revamped the AAU style of team building and not as a Celtics uh, winner because one championship out of his tenure is not good enough. And I don't see one on the horizon. I don't, I don't think they're good enough this year and I don't see them making a move at the deadline uh, to get better and to, to, to take that next level, that next jump. So as of right now, I am no longer optimistic about this Celtics team. Yeah, you know, so here's I just want to set the tone. You know, I know you guys have your takes, and I just want to set the tone real quick about where I'm at. Because, you know, if if this podcast goes negative and you turn to me to give it to you, I just don't have it anymore. Uh, you know, uh, so, yeah, I mean, the fact that when's the last time that Celtics fans have been calling for a GM and coach to both be either fired replaced players traded like i've never seen green teamers like this before ever and it, it, it's almost as if like it's almost as if 
the like inner Red Sox fandom is coming out and it's now seeping into the Celtics. Maybe it's because that's what the media is trying to do to create some sort of conversation and buzz because when it comes to the Celtics, it's pretty much status quo. Fan base always will support the team. Danny Ainge never takes any heat. Brad Stevens doesn't take a ton of heat. The players don't take any heat. They get to the Eastern Conference Finals and we're okay with that and move on. It just feels like that it's it's a little bit different right now. I, I just I don't think that this team is a piece away. I think this this team there's there's a chemistry. I think there's a chemistry issue. I, I think that there's there's something that's not meshing really well with the team. You know, I but I also said a little while ago too, you think about they haven't had their squad fully healthy. You know, Kemba's only a couple of months removed from his injury. And he's playing a little bit better now. Um, it just, it does, it feels like they're missing something. It like, it's almost like they're missing an actual like leader on this team. You know, you think that the coach can be that guy to reel this team in and it's maybe from the outside, he's not doing that, but I don't know what the move is. You know, what could Danny Ainge do? I know Scalabrini said that, you know, stop talking about everybody else. They want Harrison Barnes. Well, great, but do you go and give up the pieces to get him? And you see the guy that puts you over the top. He's not going to. I think we need to call up what it is. The Celtics team right now is probably that, you know, they're a playoff team, but they're probably, we're not looking at a deep run. So it, what sucks is like, you don't want to punt and call it a, you know, call it a season either. If they can get a piece that can be part of the long term, they can move forward with, I think you go out and make that. But I think people got to understand that. Trading Kemba is not the answer, and it's not going to be the easiest thing to do. You know, like that's—he's a massive contract, and he's an—you know—a player that's in the decline because of health. You know, I—I I don't know what Danny could do. I—I I, I don't know, but I—you know—I think the criticism is fair. You know, it's—I think there's been a mismanagement of assets over the last couple of years. You know, and I have this debate with other people and. You know, there's valid points. He's turned assets, though, into Tatum and he's turned into Brown. And he, you know, he's he's been in positions to get Kyrie Irving's that didn't work out. I would I would just go down the flip side and say where the mismanagement piece is, is go out and get the right player. Not, you know, I don't discount it for getting like the Kyrie's of the world, but go out and use what you have left and get the right guys. And I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if it's time for a new voice. I don't know. What's your thoughts, Derek? Yeah, Chris, I was going to back to something you said about um, like having some type of veteran leader. Uh, I think that that's a huge piece that this team is missing, like a guy like an Al Horford was, you know, a few years ago. I think guys like Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson were brought in to be, you know, those veteran leaders, guys who have been around the, the league for a long time, have gone on deep playoff runs. Tristan Thompson's an NBA champion, and they just haven't worked out, uh, you know, that way. Yet now Teague's hasn't been performing on the court, so I guess you know it's it's tough if you're struggling on the court for young guys to look to you for guidance if you know you can't even perform or you're not even getting on the court. Now he started have a, a couple you know a few good games before the All Star break, so we'll see if he can build on that momentum into the second half. And the same kind of thing goes for Tristan Thompson, whereas you know he was kind of struggling early on and his play has been up and down, and you just wonder if guys aren't looking to them for for veteran you know leadership or guidance because of the the way they're you know playing on the floor which goes back to to Danny Ainge and bringing these guys in and it's just more moves that haven't quite worked out 
So, and this this is where I think both Ainge and Stevens deserve some the criticism that they're getting. Absolutely, they they both need to do a better job. But I think calling for both of their jobs is I just think is is wrong. It's got to be one or the other. If you're going to blame Ainge for putting together a you know a crappy team and a, a team that lacks talent. I think it's difficult to pin that on Brad Stevens and want him to be fired too. Like if he doesn't have good players, then you can't hold it too much against him for their performance on the court. So I think it, it's one or the other. Now, look, Stevens has definitely um, he definitely makes some some questionable you know like rotation decisions and lineup decisions, and his end of game you know management is is questionable as well. Uh, but if you if you think it's a roster and a talent issue, which I, I think it is, then that falls to Danny Ainge and not Brad Stevens. Yeah, I got one quick point that I want to bring up, and then I'm going to ask you guys a follow-up question to kind of what you were just saying, Derek. Isn't it kind of heartbreaking that just a few years ago we were laughing at the at the time it was the New Jersey Nets, now it's the Brooklyn Nets, about how the how Danny Ainge fleeced that organization and 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 they were just the laughing stocks of the entire NBA. And now, as as the as we sit at the All Star break in 2021, the Nets are in a far better position to win a title. And that that just really bums me out. Uh, but Derek, you brought you highlighted some of the role players uh, that was brought in in the off season. Um, they've had a pretty good mixture of veterans and rookie or young guys uh, in the rotation. So. I want to ask you guys, I, I, have you guys been happy with the role players? Have you guys been happy with the, you know, Robert Williams all the way down to the Tristan Thompsons, you know, and all in between? Uh, so I, was, I just want to toss this up to you guys. How do you feel about the role players uh, as a whole in the first half? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, um, I I think that the when the Celtics went out and they got Jeff Teague, I, I'm pretty sure I think we were all pretty much in alignment that we were kind of excited about this move. And he's definitely. really been a, he's really been a disappointment. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely at the point of his career now, like he's definitely that backup point guard coming off the bench. And I think that we put too much stock into him filling the void for, for Kemba. Um, Tristan Thompson, I'm not really surprised by this, you know, thinking about it because of the fact that, he wasn't fully healthy and he was coming off of an injury and he was, you know, and then he's kind of getting back into the rotation. What I'm kind of happy about though, is that his, I wouldn't say like struggles, but the fact that he's not the player we thought it was, isn't because of the Kardashian effect. Like that's been a non-conversation here in Boston. And I'm kind of excited that has been the case because typically when you get players like that and there's that baggage that comes with it, that's what usually goes hand in hand with that conversation. I just don't think that Tristan Thompson for the money, he was value. And I think that the Celtics, they, I think they just don't view that. To me, they don't view that position with the same urgency like other teams do because they haven't filled it with a premium player. And maybe they can't find that guy. I'm not sure, but you know, we've pieced it now with, with, uh, with, with Thompson and Tice where, it's clearly not the combination, you know, but um, I thought, you know, I think the Peyton Pritchard's been a pretty good piece coming off the bench. You know, he has his rookie struggles and it's not that he got hurt and he's coming back from that. But I think that he's provided them with a little more than they than they expected. But um, honestly, I think the biggest conversation of it all is 
is Robert Williams. Like I take it back. Like I was not a Williams fan. I wasn't in his, I was definitely not on his bandwagon prior to the season. I, I do recall at the beginning of the podcast talking about him before the season started that I just didn't think he, I thought he'd be a non-factor dude has been everything but that he's probably, he's got more trade value than the majority of some of the guys they can maybe move. And if, if they wanted to go that route. So I just think that the Celtics need to go on and get some better depth pieces for their bench if they want to try to be in better conversation. And I think like, you know, maybe you go and maybe you look at the point guard position. Maybe you need to upgrade from T, but what's really there? You know, at the end of the day, they need a veteran leader. I don't know if they're going to be able to get that. Maybe you just try to go status quo, maybe add a smaller piece, maybe look at the buyout market, get into the playoffs, see what happens, and then really look at the off season where you have that trade exception, maybe that's when you go and you make your slash, have the conversation during the season, but make the splash in the off season. Danny's going to have to do something because honestly, his job depends on it. I, I it's, you know, he got the kiss of death where the, where the, where they were like, the ownership is supporting of him. That's like the kiss of death in any other ownership in any league when, when they get the seal of approval. So whether we want to believe it or not, like, you know, there's, the when there's smoke, there's fire. When you hear, you know, Jackie McMullen and uh, what's the dude podcast she was on the other day um, from the ringer, Bill Simmons, you know, talking about how, well, this could be Ainge's last season or last, you know, maybe season or two. Like when there's smoke, there's fire. So I think Danny, there's there's a little more urgency more so than ever. And, you know, but do you really guys do you think, though, they're a piece away? You know, like I think that this is going to be. Like they got to change the dynamic up in order for them to get where they need to go. So, Derek, what are your some of your thoughts on the first half and the role players and how they've either helped or hurt the chances of this team winning? Yeah, I mean, I think the the role players have just been kind of indicative how the, of how the season has gone. It's like they've been up and down. Like they've had high points, they've had low points. Um, on, honestly, outside of, like Chris said, Robert Williams. Robert Williams has been the most consistent, uh, you know, bencher or role player for Boston this entire season. And it just feels like he he's getting more and more confident every game. He's, um, you know, doing something, like, different every game. Like another, you know, piece of his game is highlighted um, every game. I mean, obviously we know his... Shot blocking ability is, you know, dunking and athleticism and all that. But I think he's an amazing passer for a big man. And he just gets the ball and he's so quickly gets it into the hands of, a, you know, a guard or someone who can handle it on like after he gets rebounds and starts the fast break so quickly. So, yeah, I mean, his his play has been extremely impressive. Um, he's been the one of the lone bright spots, uh, you know, in this this up and down first half. Um, as Chris said, Peyton Pritchard had a great start. Uh, ran into an injury, maybe he's hit the rookie wall a little bit, and it's just kind of been inconsistent. Teague and Thompson haven't given you the, you know, what what you expected. Then all these other guys, Ojale, Grant Williams, um, you know, Neesmith got some run and had a few good games together, but then, you know, now he's been back on the bench recording, um, you know, no minutes. All these guys have just been up and down and inconsistent, and it's just, it's the bench is not good enough. To, to win an NBA championship. So I, I, I don't know if they're a piece away unless that piece is, you know, a superstar. Uh, I think they need a, a couple pieces, but it, it starts with improving this bench. 
Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about some trade possibilities when we get into the second half part of the show. But we have – okay, so we've talked about Danny Ainge, talked about Brad Stevens, talked about the role players. We are in the thick of our first half talk. But you know what we haven't really mentioned yet? We haven't really brought up the big – the, the dynamic duo, the, the the one-two punch of the Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll throw the tip ball and whichever one you guys want to take it. What are your thoughts on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the first half of the 2020-2021 season? Derek, go ahead. I mean, I think – Brown has has been the the better of the two, or at least the most consistent. Um, you know, Tatum's had some some great games, uh, and you know they both had great uh, first halves. I think we're expecting a little more consistency uh, out of them. I think Brown has been the more consistent player. Tatum still has those nights where it's you know three for for twelve or, or four for sixteen or those those rough shooting nights. And granted, they pretty much all have come since he came back from COVID and he's mentioned how it's affected his conditioning and his breathing. And look, maybe over time as that comes back, he gets to be a little more consistent, but I definitely was, was looking for more out of him. Uh, Brown's been awesome and continues to be awesome. And just the, his progression as a player and his traje- trajectory after he was drafted, you know, a guy who was drafted and people said he couldn't shoot and it was a waste of a pick. And just now he's this reliable knockdown three point shooter He's beating guys off the dribble. Um, you know, he's beating guys uh, like pull-up jumpers. It's just he's his game has truly uh, improved all around. Uh, and he's he's a guy that I don't think anyone expected him to be, you know, where he's at in, in terms of, um, like, among the stars of the NBA. I don't think anyone expected him to be, uh, you know, this talented. Chris, how about you? Uh, I just think that the you know these two guys are they're trending up to be where they're looked at as superstars in the league, and I just think that they're kind of on their own path right now, um, personally. But um, you know, if you kind of take a step back, like I never look at like Jalen Brown as being like a true superstar, and you know he's having a phenomenal year. I think he's got like I think he's eight points better than last year for his like average per game. Um, So, you know, both these guys are doing exactly what Danny envisioned they were going to do, but it just feels like it's more of an independent piece. I feel like Tatum Tatum's playing solid basketball, but I don't think he's playing like the player we thought was going to take like that next step. And I mean the next step in the respect of taking the ownership of the team, you know, being that leader looking at as like that's that guy, you know what I mean? Like, where he's not LeBron, but like, you know, like, you know, whose team it is, right? Where you say the Lakers, now that's LeBron's team. You say the Celtics, well, whose team is it? You know, who's, who's the guy that's, you know, it's, I don't think you can have two guys that can be like, oh, it's their team. But I I don't know. I just think that I think the C's are at a point where, you know, they, they have some good core pieces in play. It's just really a matter of, you know, what can they do to put around these two players to either elevate it or do I dare say break it up and, and kind of go from there and, and seeing if you can put a new mix together? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the back of the basketball card, both players are performing 
in pretty much every every category you'd hope they would. They're both scoring about 25 points a game. Uh, Tatum seven rebounds a game. Brown six, four four and a half assists for Tatum. Uh, four about four assists for Brown. You know about a block and a half. I mean a, a steal and a half for Tatum. A steal a game for Brown. They're both really performing. I mean, it, it's tough to look at their stats and really complain about what they've given this team in the first half of the season. But what kind of lacks to me is the moments. I just don't feel like they've given superstar-esque moments. You know, I I feel like every year they kind of have some, you know, buzzer beater or something of that nature. And just I'm not seeing a lot of it uh, this season. You know, maybe that's just me. Maybe I've missed it. Um, But, yeah, I just don't – they don't have that it factor that I thought they'd start getting – this year, you know, that they're feared throughout the league um, as a dynamic one-two punch. And maybe they are. Maybe You know, I don't necessarily talk to these players, so I can't talk on behalf of their opponents, but uh, their record doesn't certainly show that. And the way they get played certainly doesn't show that. And one thing about Tatum I am a little disappointed in uh, is how he's done against the double team. And I'm not expecting him to take on the double team and still score. Um, that's crazy. No one can really, not, you know, there's very few that can do stuff like that. But just the lack of being able to get the rest of the team involved uh, from something like that. And maybe they need a player uh, to do something uh, in, in more of long of those lines because they're not making the team around them better. They're both great. But they're not making anyone around them necessarily better. That set, you know, after the after watching this team with Marcus Smart out, it feels like Marcus Smart does a better job getting the rest of the team going um, and playing at, at a higher level. So those are the things that I'm a little disappointed in. Yes, they're both young, but they've both been in the league now for three, four years. They've both gotten that second contract. They're both marquee big buck players, and they got to play a little bit more like like the contracts that they signed. I know that's really unfair because it's a piece of paper that you know of course they're going to sign they, they they want the money and, and, and in no way am i saying that was a bad thing but once you sign that contract you're expected to be a big dog and it just i feel like their numbers are there but their their for lack of a better term their vibe of, of being a superstar is not there does that make any sense yeah no i think you're sure. right i think i think you're 100 percent right there was when, when you were saying that it brought me to a um there was a article that came out from Hardwood Houdini, and um, it was recapping a tweet from Jeff Goodman from CLNS Media. And he tweeted that an anonymous player in the league said that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can't be your superstars. They only do things to help their game. They don't get anyone else easy shots. All they know how to do is score. It, it's You were saying that. And as you were going through that entire piece, I was like searching feverishly through Google to find that. And it's it's spot on. It is spot on. They don't do anything to elevate the people around them. Like if you're going to be a superstar and you're going to be that premier player, premier player, your numbers, what you're going to do is going to happen. But you need to make the people around you better. LeBron James is the best player on the planet right now, and, and we'll probably will not see another talent like him for a very long time. Not only does he do what he does, but he makes the people around him better. Let I me mean, look what he did when he was with the Cavs. Like he had teams that were not championship teams, and he elevated them to make them better. These guys aren't that. So, but that's not their fault either. That's what Danny targeted. 
Danny was looking for a certain skill set with these players. He got it. He saw something with these guys. They have the skills, but the intangible of being a leader and making people around them better is not there. So the Celtics have to find that. So, and we keep going back to it. If they find a leader who can kind of get these guys on the same page, you know, yeah, go get your 24 a game, but let's close out the fourth quarter. Let's stop giving away the fourth quarter again. You know what I mean? Like when's the last time that they, you talk about memorable moment, memorable moments. They don't have those because they're, they're, they're playing catch up in the fourth quarter to try to get back into the game because they had a lead and they lost it. You know, the last, I think the last actual stat this year was that game winner was, or that, um, that layup that Tatum had against, uh, the wizards, wasn't it? Where I think I tweeted and joked about it should be an NBA top shot. You know, like there's not a lot of those. You're right, Matt. There's not a lot of those memorable shots from this season where you want to go retweet and you get, you're getting hyped up because that's what, you know, a guy in your squad did. So I don't know. I, I think you're spot on with, with your take where they don't make anybody better at least in the short term. I don't know, Derek, go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, no, I, I agree in, in that they're, they're definitely stars in this league, but to take that next level is to, to become that playmaker. And those assist numbers have to go up. Um, You know, you mentioned LeBron, but like the, the LeBrons, the Lucas, the James Hardens, the guys who can go out and get 25 to 30 a night and get seven, eight or nine assists, like get others involved, put your, set your teammates up, for success, that's that's the next step in uh, you know in progression for these guys is becoming that playmaker. Um, now I think it's I don't think it's fair to say that they'll never be those guys. Um, now this is really the first season where the team has been their team. You know last year Kemba was was around and I think people thought that the Celtics would lean on him a little more and then Tatum and Brown kind of took over for him and. In the bubble, it really became about Tatum and Brown. I think this is the first full season where it's been like, all right, guys, this is this is your show, this is your team. So I still think they're they're working through some things and figuring out how to be, uh, you know, leaders and and superstars in this league. And they certainly still have a lot of things to work on and and learn. Um, but I think the the playmaking piece is a a huge portion of it, and that's where I think having with Smart coming back will help because that'll take some of that pressure off of them. But even when Smart comes back, I still think Tatum and Brown need to do a better job of getting others involved. So I think that puts a pin on the first half talk. You know, we've kind of covered all different bases from the team leaders to to the team builders. Uh, so now let's go ahead and, and dive into the second half, because you mentioned, Derek, the, you know, Tatum and Brown elevating and continuing to learn and continuing to take uh, that next step and evolve their game. So games games come right back on, I think, Wednesday, right? Wednesday's games are underway, so the second half will be uh, a full go this week. Uh, one thing that uh, one thing on the calendar that we've touched on briefly uh, that's very important for this team is the trade deadline. So why don't we talk a little bit about that Uh have you guys heard of any trade targets? Who are someone you're interested in them getting? If you uh, were the team builder, who would you get? All that is on the table here when we're talking about the trade deadline. So I know uh, I heard something today that Vucevic from the Magic is, uh, you know, the Celtics are reportedly one of the teams interested in him. Now, take that for what it's worth. I mean, the Celtics have been reportedly interested in plenty of guys over the years and nothing ever happened. So I don't know. 
the thing is to get a guy like that, you've got to give something up and I just wonder what that is. Is it Kemba Walker? Um, is it, do you have to give, give up a guy like smart? I don't, I don't think you can. I mean, I, I think we've seen how important he is just the, the things that he brings to the floor. It's tough to, to give up a guy like that. Um, is it someone like Robert Williams? You know, the guy whose stock is really at an all time high is now the time to sell high on a guy like that and go out and make that move. You know, Ainge has been criticized all these years for, for hanging on to these homegrown guys. Um, and he's, and Ainge, to his credit, you know, this year, Ainge has taken responsibility and said, I haven't put this a good enough roster together and, you know, we need to get better. So is this the time where he's finally going to part with one of those coveted assets? You know, Robert Williams could probably get you something pretty good in return. His, I mean, his game is at an all-time high right now. His stock's at an all-time high. Uh, but I just don't know what else they have to offer to get a, guy, a marquee guy like a, like a Vucevic or, or someone else who's out there of that caliber. Vucevic is probably my favorite name that I've heard on the rumor on the rumor mill. Uh, he's having a phenomenal season, absolutely dynamite season, but he comes with a massive contract. So to make a deal work, this is what uh, a rumor that I saw on WEI this afternoon. It would it would the trade would look something like this the Celtics would get Vucevic who again is a phenomenal center and he's having a great year but they'd have to give up Robert Williams Marcus Smart and a pick are you guys doing that Oof, that's tough oh because nah, that, that's kind of steep yeah because I still think that leaves them shorthanded when it comes to guards especially if now look I I mean I don't want to give up smart for, for anyone, but let's just say that they did that. That puts a lot of pressure on a guy like Jeff Teague to step his game up. And with how inconsistent he's been, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you can rely on a guy like that. Chris, what are your thoughts on, I, on a possible I mean the, trade of that caliber? I mean, the problem is, is that if you go ahead and you trade, you know, you trade a point guard, you need to go and get another one back. You know, I mean, you're probably going to have to, you're probably gonna have to scour the the buyout market, but the problem is the buyout market is these players are gonna want to have to come to you, and we know the Celtics sometimes struggle to go out and get players. They've so, always struggled with the buyout market. Well, in in this year where they're struggling, you know, as as much as much as they've ever have over the last five years, there's no way you're gonna get a guy like Drummond to come over here. I mean, Blake Griffin probably laughed at the notion of coming to Boston when he could go hang out with the AAU team in Brooklyn. So you're right, it's gonna be tough for age to get any of the buyout guys. So yeah, Chris, that's, that's a good point you bring up. You know, and I think that like, you know, yeah, if you're going to, you, you, I think you need to still protect Kemba, you know, I, the, he's granted he's, he's coming off of a knee injury. You know, this is a player whose knees aren't what they were, you know, you're in, you invested a ton of money in him. I, you know, you need to have a competent backup for him and someone that you could put out there to spell minutes for him. So I think that Smart could help do that. Smart comes back. He can provide you that depth there. You can go ahead and in turn kind of bring Teague a little bit back down to what you, I think, initially were going to acquire him for and be that depth off the bench. Um, I don't think I do that. I, I think that the names that we're hearing, some of those big guys are – they're just they're creating the buzz. It's it's getting the clicks to the websites. It's it's creating the conversations like we're doing right now on the podcast. 
I, I'm going to tell you a name that I find to be super intriguing would be is Larry Nance Jr. I, I, you know, 28 years old, hit the contract that he has is super affordable. Granted, with that being said, like there's a lot of money. I'm sorry, a lot of, you know, a lot of value that he's going to bring in order to acquire him. But six foot seven, I mean, two way, like he's going to be able to shoot. I, I mean, he's going to provide. I think something that maybe Tristan Thompson hasn't been able to do and maybe rebound the basketball. Um, you know, he's a veteran at 28 years old. I mean, he's not that leader we've been asking for, but I think that he fills some of those voids and, and checks off some of those boxes that we've been, we've been looking for with this team, you know, I, to, to hook our wagons and some of these like premier players or Bradley Beal, like that move, I don't, that move's not happening during the season. That conversation might be happening right now, but that move's not happening during the season. I don't see it. I think that they're going to make a premier move to elevate the Boston Celtics. It's going to be done in the off season. So go out and get a guy like, get a, go out and get like Larry Nance, you know, or, or, or Fedor from like the Cavs, you know, those are the players that I think they're the next tier down that you need. And they're building blocks and pieces who can be part of a young core as you're continuing to build to get to where you want this team to be. That's what I would do. I wouldn't punt. Like I said, it just sucks because like you want them to do something, but you don't want them to really give anything up, but you're going to have to, I think you have to be smart about your next move because it, it, no matter what the player is, it really is going to be, it's going to alter what you're trying to do and the trajectory of what this team is going to be. Even the Robert Williams, if you move him. And I think right now, like Derek said, all time value for him but does it make sense to trade him right now i keep him for the stretch run of the season and i'd look to see if, if you're going to move him i'd look to do that in the offseason so that's a good point chris to focus on you know the, the next tier down um you know guys you can get without having to give up too much because it's a, a good point like a guy like vucevic do we think bringing him in makes him a championship contender like are they one one piece away i don't think they are so like do you give up, um, you know, a couple of major assets in the in the middle of the season to bring in a guy that probably still won't put you over the top for a, a championship? Or do you try and get, like Chris said, those those building blocks and some of those role players and then in the offseason see what you can do either through free agency or with that trade exception? That's, that's a good point. What really chaps my behind is this trade exception. It was touted as being this ridiculous move again by Ainge. Uh, if you don't understand it, you're not a true hoops head. And yet here he is. He's going to have to trade for a secondary player, which is fine. You know, that's all well and good. But is someone like Larry Nance Jr. that much of an improvement to the, the bigs they have now? Maybe, maybe yeah. incrementally. I, but is he – he's often injured. He's 28. He's barely really left a mark on the league. He's having a good season, sure, but he hasn't had a good career. He's bounced around the NBA. He's always been he can rebound, though. in trades. So was Tristan, but Tristan Thompson was supposed to rebound. And right now, Robert Williams is a premier rebounder. He's not helping. He's uh, one of the best rebounders pre- in the league. Uh, yes. Premier. Okay. His rebounds per yeah, when he when he gets in the game, he doesn't need to play a lot of minutes to rack up eight to ten rebounds. He's a premier rebounder who's not getting the full court, the full the minutes because he can't do everything else that they want to do, and that hurts him. Now, does Larry Nance do that? Maybe, but he's not really a dead red shooter. He's kind of a hustle guy, which is all well and good. But is that a piece? 
Sure, yeah, hey, Chris, that's a it's a good guy to get. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but what, what I'm just saying what really bugs me is that this this trade exception was brought here for from Go- the Gordon Hayward move, and it was told it was told to me and the rest of the fans that this piece was going to be it, it's it's fantastic, it's going to be great, it's going to be something that changes the whole forecast of the season, and it's not. Maybe it will in the off season, but I don't care about next year. I care about right now. I want them to play better right now. So I'm not really happy about Danny Ainge and what he's done. Um, you brought up Larry Nance, and I know it kind of sounded like I was kind of poo-pooing on him, and I'm not. He's a, he's a good ball player. So, yeah, he would help. Another guy I, I really think that they would make a lot of sense for them is Rashawn Holmes, the center from Sacramento. He's having a great year. He comes at a five-year, one-year, one-year, $5 million contract. So you know, all you have to really trade is some picks and maybe Romeo Langford to balance out the books. You know, you'd be able to use a little. Hey, can, I, can I ask a question? What is the infatuation with Langford? Why don't they, like – why is it he's like the golden goose? You don't yeah. like you bring him up in like trade talks and people are like, oh, no, you can't trade Langford. No, bro, you can't trade. Like, am I? That's such something? a good point. I, I completely agree. Like, this guy's so good. Why don't they use him? They need a guy like him for whatever his skill set is supposed to be. It seems like that would be a perfect guy to have on their in their rotation and they don't use him. And I don't I'm looking at he, he's not always he's not hurt. Right. Yeah, he had um, like wrist surgery, I think, in the offseason. So that's why he hasn't been playing so far this year. So he hasn't come back from the wrist injury then. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes a little bit more sense. But still, like I'm with you, Chris. People act like this kid is the 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 answer, and like trade him, like use him to to make the move to get somebody. He comes with a first round price, uh, a first round salary, so it's a nice little chunk of change you can use to move around and, and bring in a salary. I don't know what it is about him, Derek. Do you have any insight on Romeo Langford? Why he's Kind of the sacred cow, like Chris was saying. No, not, I have no idea. Because even people, I've heard people talk about, well, when Langford comes back, he'll help his team. Like, what? What? And like, evidence is there that when he comes back, he's going to be a, a contributor. Like, he had a couple nice games last year as a as a rookie. And I know he's supposed to be this, you know, good good defender and guy who can, you know, score off the bench. But like, he didn't show much of that last year as a as a rookie. And then he was you know, hurt at the, the tail end of the bubble last year and was hurt this entire off season. Like, I just don't see how this guy who's barely has any NBA experience. I think he spent two years in college, maybe, um, maybe three. And he's just going to jump right in and be a, a key contributor for this team this year. I, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't really have much to add there. Cause I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm with you, Chris, I'm a little confused and I'm, you know, I think Derek, you're you're kind of the guy we lean on to for the hoops talk, and the fact that even you're a little dumbfounded with why people won't move him. I think kind of, I think the answer. I think we got to the answer. The answer is you you could easily move him. Thirty two career games, thirty two career games under his belt. He, I'm reading here, fits the role of a modern three and D wing with intriguing athleticism. That to me sounds like the little snippet of any player that Bill Belichick drafts in the later end of like the draft, like he's not doing anything for this club. You know, like Danny Ainge gets like locked in on some of these players and that's it. It's the end all be all and does nothing with them. Like he was a first round asset that is still a first round asset that they can move and trade. And to your point, Matt, you know, Holmes would be a decent fit. But he's 
to be fair, he's not a splash either. So no, he's not. He's not. He's not. There, I don't think there is a splash out there for 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 Ainge to really make, to be honest. And and, and it's you know to go back to that trade exception, we were told that it's this big. It, it, the The problem is, is that they just the roster itself was just never that good to begin with. He has two young budding superstars and the core around them is not solid. So the trade exception, while valuable, there may not be that much value to it because the pieces to go with it are just not there. There's only so much that the trade exception can bring back in that respect. If this team was what they thought they were going to be and on the cusp, yeah, dude, like go out, take that trade exception and sell the farm and go do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Like, Maybe the main red claws are not the main attraction anymore, but like, I just, I think where they're at right now, unless something wild happens, I don't think that there is a move that this team can make that you can go like, is it worth taking half that trade exception to bring something in now? Or do you take it during the off season? And that's when you make your move. Maybe, maybe there's something that's been brewing for Danny and he can do it in the off season. That's when he's going to use it. I know we want to use it now. But by the same token, why go and and waste the asset for a team that truly, guys, is not going to go anywhere? Like, this is not a championship team. I, I know that, like, the, I think the East is open. I don't think that the Bucks are going to be like they were last season. You know, like, I know the 76ers will dog on them because of the fact that the Celtics have had their number. But they look good. I mean, they look like a legit team. And, you know, I know we don't want to give – and I say we in like the Celtics perspective don't want to give the Nets their due, but Kyrie Harden and Durant, they haven't, they haven't imploded. And now they just added Blake Griffin. Like, you know, it's going to be tough to get through the East. I, I know. I don't know. It's, it's such a tough spot that they're in. They've really put themselves in a really, really, in a really difficult spot. Chris, once again, man, you are leading the way. You, you're leading the league, league in segues just on tonight's performance alone because that's going to bring us to, to our expectations for the second half. You think so that we'd like playing this too. And it, this it, is just, we it's just almost, go, chemistry, baby. It's chemistry. It, I was going to say, it's almost like we've done this before with each other. I think, uh, I think we're getting the hang of this thing now, boys. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. But let, all right, so let's let's kind of wrap up the show. Not wrap up the show, but let's go into the last bit. Of, you know, the last talking point here on the docket, uh, where we see this team going in the second half. Maybe if you want to give a prediction, sure. Uh, what were your expectations in? And yeah, why not? Let's throw in a prediction at the end as well. Who wants to take the first hack at it or first shot? I should say we are a hoops podcast. I just wanted to get in the. No, go actually. You know what, Derek? Go ahead, because I've been doing pretty good piggybacking off you tonight. Go ahead. Yes, I'll step up to the line, take the first shot. Um, I think where, well, obviously where I want to see this team is is in the finals. Um, I think realistically, for them, I don't. I mean, right now they're sitting in fourth. Could they creep up and? you know, past Milwaukee for third, maybe. I think their ceiling might be third in the in the conference. It really all comes down to to matchups, I think, for, for them, because there are some teams that they they match up with better, you know, over a, a seven game series than than others. Um 
Like if they match up with the Heat again in a seven game series, I'd be nervous. But if they match up with a team like the Raptors, I feel, you know, I'd feel pretty confident. Um, and then the second round, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to see the Nets. I'm, I think they're the team to avoid. I mean, Philly's obviously the, the top team, but I'm more scared of the, the Nets and the Sixers. And I agree with Chris in that the Bucks aren't, you know, what they've been the past couple of years. Um, and I think you have a, a coaching advantage there. I, I don't think Budenholzer is that great of a coach. Uh, but I, I think with the Celtics, I think if they, you know, get everything on track, everyone stays healthy and they're, they're playing at full strength and playing to their full potential, they're, a, you know, a conference finalist team. But I still just don't see them getting to the, to the finals, the NBA finals. Yeah, so I think that the Celtics they're going to get in they're going to get into the playoffs. I think the fear of the fact that how all these teams are so close together in the standings that if you go on another run where you lose 4 out of 8 or 5 out of 10, something to that effect that you could theoretically jeopardize the remainder of the season. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that I think that these players have a little more respect for themselves and their team, Danny and the coaching staff, that they can try to put some of this back together. Problem is, is where can they find the help that isn't coming back from injury that's outside of Marcus Smart? Where does that help come from? I think Danny makes a surprise little move. I don't think it's going to be something that, you know, is going to be, you know, huge breaking news, but I think it's he's going to make a move. He has to. Has to improve this team somehow. But unfortunately, I think it's going to be more par for the course of what we've been seeing over the last, you know, X amount of years that this is just not a team that's built for the playoffs. If they get hot in the playoffs, that might be a different conversation. But I just look at the, I look at like the, the Nets scare me because of the fact that there is so much talent there. And these guys might just be like, can KD get that team focused to the point where, you know, they're going to go out and just try to prove people wrong, get that, get the ring and, and then, you know, kind of see what happens from there. You know, like I look at Giannis and the Bucks and they were embarrassed in the postseason last year. Like I, I, I just think the Celtics are such an uphill battle, you know, but you know, it, it, it takes a team to get hot. Maybe they get hot in the playoffs and they, they sneak into the second round. They go to the Eastern conference finals like Derek said, I want them to go to the finals. I want to see this team go deep in the playoffs. It creates more content for us. We do more podcasts. We'll be able to get more written stuff out there. No one wants to read about a really bad basketball team. You know what I mean? Like, So I just think at the end of the day, the Celtics team, they need to go out, get a little help, and just start closing out basketball games. You know, who cares if Tatum's, you know, shooting 24 a night? Like, how about just get the W, get in the playoffs and just see what happens from there. That's what I would prefer, but I just don't, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see that happening, but you know, who knows? We've, um, we've made some predictions on the show where the team has done the complete opposite of what we said. So maybe we can continue that. And I can say this team isn't going to go deep and they make a deep run. What do you think? You know, you're trying to invoke the positivity streams to come out of my, my, you know, come off of my, my thoughts and stuff, and it's working a little bit. Because I will say this. They have they are tied for the longest winning streak currently in the NBA 
with four. They're six and four in their last ten, which is okay. Break up so the seas, four in a row. So they are, they are, they did go into the break on the right foot. They do have Marcus Smart coming back, and there is a trade that Danny Ainge may make. But I overall think that they're going to play about the same basketball that they played in the first half. You know, maybe a little bit more over 500. They're only two games over 500. Uh, so they'll be a little bit better than that. But I think their playoff run completely comes down to their seeding. You know, you alluded to this a little bit, Derek, that, you know, it's going to, ma- it really will matter where they, they go into the playoffs. You know, if the playoffs started tomorrow and, and they had this four seed and it's, you know, the, the, the basketball, the Eastern Conference landscape is the same that is now, I could see them in the, Eastern Conference Finals. You know, they could take out the Knicks and then they could take out the Philadelphia 76ers and then they're faced with their toughest matchup, either the the Nets or the Bucks. But if they creep up into that three seed and they have to play the Bucks or the Nets in the second round, if, you know, the, the Nets become the, the one seed and and they end up playing the Celtics in the second round or the Celtics fall in the rankings, they, they might be in trouble. And, you know, I'm looking at the standings as we speak. Miami is only a half game behind the New York Knicks. So if the, the Celtics play the Miami Heat in the first round, they could very easily be bounced in the first round um, because we saw just last year. I mean, they were the bubble team, but they're playing better. The Heat are coming back uh, and playing a lot closer to you know their highs of last season than the lows to start up this season. So am I optimistic about the Celtics? No, uh, but I do think they could make a deep run if the, the stars align. And I hate, I hate, I hate relying on things like that because then you're not, you're not boasting any confidence for the team. You're boasting confidence for the path. And, you know, we all have talked about the path a million times in multiple sports in this area. So, you know, I think we're all kind of sick of the path. But it, it, having said that, if, if the playoffs started tomorrow, they had a great, they would have a great path. That could change, but, uh, you know, we'll see. So, does either of you guys have any final thoughts, any, you know, final comments, any anything you want to put out there before we wrap this episode up? I don't know. I think I think we kind of think we kind of hit it all. I think this is an all star performance this week on this podcast. It might have been. It was definitely better than the dunk contest. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, so you can find me on Twitter. I am at Matty Keeboom. You can find Derek on Twitter, at McVeigh34. You can also find Chris on Twitter, at Chris Henrique. Make sure you follow the podcast Twitter handle that is at above the parquet. And always follow the Boston Sports Syndicate on Twitter and IG. That is Boston Sports, S-Y-N. Check out all of our written content on www.bostonsportssyndicate.com. And you can get all the podcasts from the Boston Sports Syndicate Network on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. So make sure you buy merch and have a great night. Take it easy, everybody. Peace. Boston Sports Syndicate. Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM. <laughs>